Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, Doreen Corrigan and Stuart Childs assess the success of the early weeks of the breeding season and give tips and advice for management of AI and bull usage to ensure high pregnancy rates throughout. Uh, to date, Emma, it has been a very good season. But the one thing we have to remember is we're still only in the end of February calving. Uh, maiden heifers, we definitely have seen an increase in synchronization this year and an increase in sex semen in maidens and probably uh, overall seen an increase in the AI in maidens. So the one thing I would be concerned about is is that with these maiden heifers, we actually do pick up the repeats because if we've used sex semen, we're going to end up with so I mean, uh, 10% probably less than conventional. Um, so we'll have more empty heifers. Also with the increase in synchronization, it's imperative that the repeats are actually picked up because there would have big concerns about synchronization programs and bulls that have, do not know how to mate being left off with bunches of heifers. And then we're losing three weeks and probably the benefit that we actually got initially from the synchronization being lost. In cows then, we also have seen an increase of AI in cows. Again, we're still only in the last week of February calving. So the one thing I would say is for cows out there that are not bred, synchronize them, fixed time AI, you will get an AI in 10 days. Do I mean, so they will be calving, do I mean, the first couple of days in March. And that is absolutely key uh, to ensure that we go on as good as we actually started. And Doreen, as a follow on, you know, you mentioned that there's an increase in synchronization in groups of heifers and also the use of sex semen. So with the repeats, you know, there's going to be, I guess, a higher level of repeats than normal. But I, also the factor is that they're going to all come within a very short space of time, um, you know, in a space of three to four days. Is there, um, I guess, merit in going in with a second round of AI as opposed to just leaving in the stock bull with that group of heifers? Absolutely, Emma. I'd, I'd definitely psych myself up if I was a hard owner for a second run of AI because once the synchronization and initially I was done on day one, I mean, hard owners left off the bulls, but then I'd pull in those heifers on day 16, 17. I'd put scratch cards on them and I'd psych myself up for AI for the next three or four days I'd remove the bull um, depending on the number of heifers to make sure he wouldn't get injured. So I'd have him when I need him. Um, because if you take 50 heifers and the 80% conception rate, I mean, to conventional semen, you end up with 10 empty. So I mean, if you drop it to 60, you'll end up with over 20 empty, right? So those four or five days spent heat detecting and the bull out to avoid him getting injury will really, really pay for itself long term and to ensure that you keep all your benefits of the actual synchronization, because it's very easy to actually lose that three weeks there, especially if the bull is overworked and the bull is young and all the heifers are coming in three to four days. So it makes the decision very easily to just do it. And to you, Stuart, if we reflect on the breeding season um, and the extent of use of AI and the stock bull, this has often been dictated by, you know, improved fertility performance may lead to a reduction in, in AI and then changes in uh, market demands and policy, such as the abolition of milk quota led to, I guess, an um, extra use of dairy AI. 
I, I guess if you look at the last year or two, can you give us um, an idea of the typical breeding season in terms of length and then in terms of, you know, AI straws or um, stock bull used? Yeah, well, Emily Louise, as you said, I suppose when milk quotas went a couple of years ago, there was a drive on obviously to increase herd sizes and so forth. And there was a, a, a greater focus on um, dairy AI for longer periods of time to get numbers of heifers on the ground and so forth. But in the last two years, I suppose, as we've begun to see things settle down a little bit, I suppose, and we still see growth, but it's at a lower level than it would have been in the previous number of years since the quotas went. And even in slightly in advance of the quotas being abolished as well. Um, there's probably a move towards uh, a little bit more beef AI um, during the course of the early stage of the breeding season as well, but also um, maybe slightly less dairy AI as well, where people have now reached numbers and are deciding to that they have sufficient heifers after a certain number of dairy straws have been used. Now, the risk that we run there, of course, is um, the herd sizes have increased. And in general, when you go around the country and go onto farms, you don't actually see an increase in the number of bulls that have been brought into farms, even where herd sizes have increased. So it's critically important then in that regard that even if we have our dairy AI completed, that we actually continue to AI using beef straws for a number of weeks at least to try and reduce down the, the workload for that bull. So if we haven't done anything in relation to the numbers of bulls that we're going to have available, and I personally, I feel that there is obviously a health and safety risk with high numbers of bulls around the farm. So I think AI offers a huge health and safety incentive in that sense, in, in that sense, um, that by continuing to AI for at least six weeks and potentially up to nine weeks at a, at a very minimum, I think um, there is the, the potential to reduce the requirement for a significant number of bulls. And bulls generally tend to be a nuisance on dairy farms because they're only working for a f maybe five six week period at most and then you're trying to find a place for them for the rest of the year because they've cost a nice bit of money to bring them in they're not something that you're going to get rid of uh, very quickly and it, from that point of view i think the trying to keep down the numbers of bulls on farm is important uh, but that means continuing to ai if you're not going to continue to ai then you're going to have to increase the number of bulls being brought in and i think maybe doreen is going to to look at that piece in terms of the numbers of bulls that people are going to require in terms of the length of the breeding season that you're talking about i suppose typically we tend to see a 12 13 week breeding season probably a lot of people even inclined to let um, bulls with herds up to 15 weeks we would be trying to encourage people to be i suppose more proactive in the early stages of the breeding season to get more cows and calf as early as possible and reduce down the numbers that are running late into the following spring and almost into the summer in reality when they're not being served until into late July, August. And as a result, just kind of refine the system an awful lot more, make it easier for themselves. I suppose if you're continuing to calve cows while you're trying to breed cows, it actually makes it a, a, a rather difficult job to do because you can't focus on both. Whereas where we see the herds that are hitting the 90% calved in six weeks, have uh, religious about finishing their breeding season in maybe early to mid-July, they may get a week off in between calving and um, start of AI season, and it helps them to focus a lot more on AI then so that they do get their submission rate right. The conception rate is obviously a function of a lot of other things, but by getting the submission rate right, at least we have that factor covered off. Uh, and once we get the other bits to fall into place, we can tighten up the calving pattern, which then leads to that cyclical situation where we, we calve on time, we breed on time, 
and we're able to dry off in time as, as is the case with a lot of farms where they dry off completely over Christmas anyway. And like there there is that, um, I suppose, change of pace that occurs, you know, around calving and, you know, things are quietening down. You know, there there is a necessity for, I guess, a, a break for, um, you know, the operator in that scenario as well as the cow. And it also gives farmers the opportunity to take time to put some work into that pre-breeding phase. I guess a question, a follow on question for you, Stuart, where farmers, where you would see farmers that are moving in a situation where they're are they breeding for 12 weeks as opposed to 15 or 16 weeks? In reality, how many cows are you catching or how many cows are going in calf if you're extending that breeding season by a month? Um, you're probably talking about a small enough number, really, uh... I suppose it depend. It all, a lot will depend on the level of submission rate, and as I said, it's kind of there's a couple of knock-on effects. If you're still calving cows at the start, submission rate mightn't always be where it should be. We target that that's up around ninety percent, and if we can marry that to a good conception rate of anywhere around the sixty percent on average, it means that we can get a lot of cows in calf very early on. Uh, and if we can ma- man- maintain that and continue our good heat detection throughout the, the rest of the breeding season, the numbers that are actually left over for for a, a bull to pick up for those extra three weeks uh, wouldn't be quite significant. However, when you're transitioning from a 15-week breeding season, there is a good chance that you're going to have cows that you have to make a decision on that they just aren't going to be part of the picture for the coming year because they're not going to be calved early on to slot into a 12-week breeding se- season. Um, and in some cases, people probably just gradually transition back rather than going from 15 weeks to 12 weeks very quickly. They might go from 15 to 14, 13, back to 12 eventually. And some people are actually on 11 week breeding seasons. And I know of a couple of farmers who are actually operating on uh, nine, nine and 10 week breeding seasons and only have uh, probably 10 to 12 percent empty at that rate of going, which is excellent uh, performance, to be fair. Um, I suppose the other thing you asked about is in terms of the mix of beef and dairy. And again, Doreen will probably have better figures uh, than I would have in terms of actually seeing what the techs are using. But there's been a big increase in terms of uh, beef AI being used in the first three weeks of the year or so of the season. So people are actively making the decisions that they don't want to breed replacements from particular cows. And in order to, I suppose, add a bit of value to them, uh, to the calves, obviously, as opposed to having to have the concern about the Frisian bull versus the Frisian heifer. So the Frisian heifer... The, the risk is that you keep a bad animal on the farm as part of the next generation. And obviously the Frisian bull has to be um, sold off the farm and they're not a very um, enticing purchase for somebody as it is. So the beef calf obviously has a lot to offer in that sense and using good beef uh, AI can add value to the, those kind of animals. So there's been a, a big shift in uh, in particular. Uh, there was a nice shift last year and I think there's been a bigger shift this year towards more um, beef AI being used in the first three to five weeks as, as, as where we currently stand. And turning to you then, Doreen, and and looking at that the transition from AI to the stock bull, and I guess there's a few uh, practicalities around that. And, you know, often what farmers will say is they found that there was a huge lull, um, you know, in terms of there was a, st- a, a break in calving for over a week. Can you give us some advice how you could ensure that there's a successful transition from AI to the stock bull? Yeah, this uh, successful uh, transition is absolutely key. And I suppose the first question we have to ask ourselves is why do we actually get the lull? One of the biggest reasons we get the lull is um, 
Uh, firstly, her donors are finding heat detection a bit difficult before they actually release the bull. Um, then it takes the bull a period of time to get settled in. And thirdly, uh, a proportion of the stock bulls have much longer gestation lengths than the AI bulls they've been using. So then if we go back to how can we tackle the lull, I think the first thing is, is before we make the decision to release the bulls, is how many empty cows have we actually remaining? Because this is the key figure, because it depends on how many empty cows we're remaining. And as Stuart says there, we have some herd owners with just a nine week breeding. They'll end up with 10 empty cows, but they started from a very compact calving pattern and they achieved 90% submission rate and 60% conception rate. However, if you take some herds then that are only achieving 70% submission rate, which is the national average, I mean, after six weeks uh, breeding, they'll have over 33 cows not in calf. So the key thing is how many cows are not in calf are remaining on that farm. And the other point to remember is some herd owners at the start of the year have selected out some cows that are not going to breed. These actually are putting extra pressure on the bull as the bull doesn't know that the herd owner doesn't want him to breed those bulls, those cows. So there is actually extra pressure on the bull. So to avoid a lull is the first thing is trying to get the ratio right. That you keep an eye on until such time as you've reduced your empty cows to a point where the bulls can cope. And every three weeks AI you do, you reduce the empty rate by half. The second thing then is once the bull is released, keep inseminating for the first 10 to 14 days. That's absolutely key because it takes the bull time to get settled in and to get into his routine. Any day then to do more than two cows in heat, um, AI as well as using the bull. And we have seen in herds that continue to AI as well as using the bulls, they end up with very, very high in calf rates. Also watch out for synchronized groups, as if you have a synchronized group coming back, it's putting a lot of pressure on the bull. And pressure on the bull results in injured bulls. So that's why it's key to get the ratio right before you start, as if there's too much work there for the bull, he gets injured in his first week or two, and then he's out for the season. And um, also make sure that the bull you have left out is actually fertile. So whether he's a young bull or an old bull, make sure he's actually fertility tested. And a young bull, make sure they can actually mate. That is absolutely the key, make sure they mate. Some people then say the older bull, she was fine last year. The important thing is, check, was he fine last year? How many beef calves had you in the first three weeks of him being let out? How many beef calves had you in the first six weeks of him being let out? How many cows did you cull because they were not in calf? And if you had two bulls of the same breed running with the cows last year, maybe the bull you sold was the more fertile one and you've actually ended up with the sub-fertile. So there are the couple of things you can do, uh, Emma, to try and avoid the lull. Um, you've made some really good points there, Doreen. And I guess if we look at um, 
submission rate. We will have a very good knowledge of our three week submission rate based on our AI records. Conception rate is something that we're going to discover how successful conception rate to first service was. We will see that in the next one to two weeks based on repeats that we see. And this will give us a good indication as to what um, the bull needs to attend to in terms of empty cows. I guess just to follow up on a point that you made, cows that you do not want to breed from are going to put extra pressure on the bull. And I guess that's a very fair point, Doreen. But what would you do to eliminate that pressure on the bull? Yeah, because these cows are actually adding to the empty cows. So the key calculation is how many empty cows have I actually remaining in the herd? And then how many bulls have I to cover those empty cows? And farm upstairs calculates exactly for you the amount of empty cows that's left, and it calculates the number of mature bulls that's actually required. However, if you have more empty bulls, empty cows, then you have bulls uh, to cover, you have two options. And you're also finding heat detection difficult because one thing we have to remember is heat detection uh, activity is actually halved. So either change your method of heat detection completely change the color of paint. So if there are blue paint all along and you now go with pink paint, even if those, there's blue paint on them not removed, just pretend that's part of the cow and put on pink paint. And if the pink paint is gone, she's in heat because paint will come off paint much easier. While if you have paint layered on cows at the moment, so I mean, it's not going to come off. The other thing you could do is switch to scratch cards, right? And if that isn't working for you, let off the bulls, but use them as teasers. So you're continuing AIing while the bull is out because you know your ratio is too big. The risk with that is injury to the bulls. And for those cows, Doreen, that you don't want to breed from and you don't want to carry them into the next lactation, would you put them in calf, um, maybe to beef AI, as opposed to leaving them empty and having the bull having to work with them in later into the breeding season? It all depends on your submission rate and your conception rate and how many empty cows you end up with. Like if you have just five or six of those cows and you've bred for um, nine weeks and you've got very good results and you ended up with 10 cows in calf, uh, not in calf that you wanted to breed, adding five to that, a mature bull can still cope with. However, if you had achieved a national average submission rate of 70%, so I mean... After six weeks, you could be ending up with over 30 cows not in calf and then adding your five cows to that will make the actual difference, right? So you could AI them in the last three weeks of the breeding season or you could uh, use the bull as a teaser and AI the cows then because if you're culling them at the end of the year, they're only going to be a couple of months in calf at that stage. And you refer to young bulls and mature bulls, Doreen. Could you remind us of the ratios that... Um, that you would be matching up for a young bull, I guess, in particular. But what is acceptable um, in terms of ratios for that younger bull and also a mature bull? Young bulls and mature bulls are two completely different type bulls in the sense that with the young bull, we have to make sure he's capable of mating before we actually release him with cows. Because believe it or believe it not, bulls actually have to learn how to mate. And often if a young bull is left off, and the most common case I see is heifers synchronized, got a good conception rate to synchronization. All the repeats are coming in three or four days. The bull is left out 
with these bunch of heifers. He does not know how to mate. It could actually take him a week or 10 days to get the hang of it. So essentially you could have lost three weeks. So the big thing with the young bull, as well as getting him fertility tested, make sure he knows how to mate. And the easiest way of train, training him how to mate is put him into a small paddock uh, with another animal and then add a female fully in heat. Watch him mating it. If he doesn't mate it, take her out, add in a second one and keep with that uh, procedure for a couple of days until such time as the bull can mate quickly and mate comfortably. So that is the first thing to have me with young bulls. With older bulls, you're more talking about lameness, which is the biggest issue uh, with older bulls. Then with younger bulls, once he knows how to mate and which he's left off with the herd, we have to monitor the bulls throughout the breeding season. And the biggest monitoring with the young bull is, is he suffering too much weight loss? Has he become lethargic? Because that is what you see with young bulls. They get overworked, they lose too much weight, they become lethargic. While the older bulls, I mean, do not lose as much weight, they don't become lethargic, but the fact that they're weight, they're more inclined to become lame. So it's crucial that we actually monitor the bulls throughout the actual breeding season. And a follow on from that, Doreen, um, you know, you often see on farms where there's multiple bulls and, and maybe, you know, that is linked to larger herd size, that there is multiple bulls on the farm and there's some uh, rotation practice that's carried out. Have you any recommendations? Would you switch them one in the morning, one in the evening, or would it be, um, you know, across every second day, what would you recommend? Uh, depending on the farm and depending on how many bulls, um, I'd work them in groups. So, I mean, if a farm had um, had uh, four bulls, you could work them in two by two and you could work them 24 hours on, 24 hours off. And the advantage of the 24 hours off is the bull gets time to rest and the bull actually needs to be fed. But when he's resting, he's lying down inside in a good straw bed and he's being fed every day. He's not running up and down inside the wire as the cows are going in and out. And the big advantage of 24 hours on and 24 hours off, as well as the bull actually being rested and actually getting fed, which really works well for young bulls because it, it avoids the weight loss that leads to that lethargic bull later on in the season. The other thing it does is, Emma, is a dominant bull, if there are two cows in heat, he'll protect those two cows for himself and he will not allow another bull to mate him. And if that dominant bull is subfertile, you have a real issue then. So that was saw the 24 hours on, 24 hours off works reasonably well. Equally, you could work it, do you know I mean, 12 hours on, 12 hours off, but that's a little bit more work. So what you're really worried about is the dominant subfertile bull, right? And also by rotating bulls 24 hours on, 24 hours off, you have less wasted matings. And uh, it's a system that works quite well. In larger herds, the other issue then you have is long walks and roadways kill bulls because when they come off the cow after mating, coming right down the road, all the weight is coming down their front legs. You get those nasty drops, do you know what I mean, in bulls there on the front legs. So one way of avoiding the long walks is, um, especially if, uh, is try and keep the bulls in the paddocks and actually feed them in the paddocks. Stu, returning to you then in terms of the practicalities of ensuring the bull is, um, you know, fit for the breeding season. Um, you know, bulls now are 
on the ground or they are going to be delivered soon to dairy farms, uh, you know, for the the start of the, I suppose, the second half of the breeding season. Um, would you recommend that farmers would complete an MOT ahead of the breeding? Yeah, sure. Doreen has covered covered a lot of it there, I suppose, um, in terms of the what it can impact on the bull, I suppose, in Louise. And um, in reality, their feet is, are, is one of the biggest challenges that they have. And then the other thing that doesn't affect an AI technician is that any sort of a cause of a, an increase in temperature in a bull can actually render them subfertile. So I suppose from the point of view of on a, on a given day, if you want to guarantee the fertility of the bull, uh, it's possibly worth um, fertility testing them in advance of when they go in with the cows. Um, however, as I said, that is only as good as the day it's taken. So if the bull does encounter some sort of a source of infection and gets a high temperature in the intervening time, he could be rendered so fertile by that infection. So people need to bear that in mind. And as I said, I think um, in spite of whether an AI technician has a high temperature or not, they'll generally still probably achieve the same conception rate that they will have had earlier in the season. So from that point of view, I think um, it's good to continue to AI along with the bulls anyway, even right through to the end of the season as an, as an insurance policy to cover any drops in fertility that can, can happen in the bull. Uh, and as Doreen said there, if they if they're work very hard or if they go through a period where they're very busy, they might still be jumping on cows, but they may not actually be putting them in calf. So from that point of view, I think it's, uh, it's worth, I suppose, just having that insurance policy in place as well. In terms of the MOT piece, I think the cows that Doreen has talked about there where you don't want to breed them, the, it's probably no harm if, if it's feasible. It may not always be feasible to draft out those cows when they do come bulling. And, and as Doreen said, maybe put them into a, a small paddock with the bull just to see can he serve her? Is he still capable of serving her? And by doing that early in the breeding season, so like we'll say this week now, obviously for people, because it's a couple of weeks past already, you could do that this week if, if the opportunity came. And obviously in a couple of weeks time, then if that cow is repeating, no, you might, you'd have to do it more than one cow, obviously, because they're not going to put them all in calf in one go, but um, you get a kind of a, a feel for how they're performing. But obviously the fertility test done by the vet is going to tell you there and then that they are fertile. But <clears throat> just to be conscious that they can go subfertile during the course of the breeding season. So that MOT that is done by your vet, uh, while it's effective at the time that it's done, uh, three, two to three weeks later, when the bull has, like Doreen says, has picked up a small drop in his foot and is beginning to go lame, he isn't actually very noticeably lame just at that time, maybe, but he can have a raised temperature at that point in, in, of time and his fertility can be impacted on, on by that. So it's just to be conscious of it. Um, like Doreen said, maybe trying to reduce the workload that they have, reduce the number of times that they're walking in and out. It's a bit of a challenge to keep a bull in a paddock, especially if there's cows bulling, obviously. So people need to be cautious with that as well. But even just to feed them, if they do come in, uh, I know people complain about bulls coming into the parlour, but if they get into the habit of maybe getting an, a small bit of feeding when they come into the yard, they may stay out of the parlour then and they'll, but they'll can't, um, actively move to, to get fed at, when they enter the yard. So people can manage them a bit better in that sense. So yes, there is merit in that MOT, but just to be conscious that it's not a guarantee that he's going to be effective throughout the season and that that continuing AI is a really, really cheap insurance policy to ensure against having empty cows by default, by, by a fault of a bull, basically.
And to play devil's advocate to you, Stuart, you know, you've mentioned a few things, um, you know, the health and safety risk of a bull. Um, you know, a bull works for five to six weeks on a farm, which is, you know, 10 percent of the year. And you have to look out, you have to look after it for the other 90 percent of the year, too. Um, and also then, you know, you have a recommendation as an insurance policy to continue to AI while the bull is in. So is there, um, I guess, opportunity on farms, um, you know, to go fully AI for the the bull, the breeding season and to eliminate, I guess, all of those factors that you've mentioned from using the stock bull for three to six weeks? Yeah, look, without doubt, there are, there are a good number of farms out there already that are going 100% AI. However, the challenge is for them, like Doreen has already said there, is that heat detection can become difficult. So I suppose where there are some people have automated heat detection systems now that are begin, are helping them to, to spot those cows that would be more difficult to detect in more conventional systems. But I suppose if you can keep your focus on heat detection, there's probably no reason that ordinary heat detection methods can't be used or the other alternative would be potentially you no know, it it uh, it goes against the health and safety element of of having the bull on the farm but a vasectomized bull can actually help to pick up those heats and because he's only maybe a, a strong weanling that you've kept you're willing to part company with him at the end of the season so more, I see more people beginning to move in that direction where they keep a weanling for the year maybe running with calves anyway and they only have to be separated late in the season um, and then they're vasectomizing those. They're using them as a heat detection method. And once their breeding season is finished, they might be put into a shed for a couple of weeks to be pushed on um, and moved off the farm, basically. Or, or in some cases, people are selling them on to later, um, later season, we'll say later breeding season farms um, to continue their work on those farms at that stage. Again, now there's disease concerns around the likes of that as well, obviously. But yeah, there is scope, I suppose. The advantage of going 100% AI is the the um, opportunity that it offers in terms of a range of different bulls. And I know Doreen is very strong on, on the, the options of maybe using those slightly harder calving. And if if you could see me, I'm doing my inverted commas, commas around in harder calving in that they're not harder calving, but they're being used on mature cows as opposed to using um, an easy calving bull on uh, first calvers, second calvers and cows that could take a little bit more in terms of a calving difficulty and not actually cost them a thought in terms of calving that animal uh, subsequently. So the, the AI continuing for with AI offers huge uh, opportunity in terms of really improving the quality of the beef from the dairy herd as opposed to maybe just rely, like I suppose there's a lot of herds that focused on easy calving in terms of sales of bulls and so forth and that's their modus operandi and people are buying for easy calving but that means that they're very easy calving for all animals in the herd and like you're not having to compromise calving ease by using some of those higher calving difficulty um, animals on stronger cow or bulls on more mature cows within the herd so I think AI has a huge role to play I suppose the, the downside of it is that uh, obviously we have a, a, a family farm operation in Ireland in the main uh, and people need a bit of time off so the bull actually kind of facilitates that he's doing the job all the time he's there 24 hours a day he's picking up a share of these cows I know that every farmer in the country would probably say that there are cows in calf at the end of the season that they've never seen potentially bulling now whether that's a reflection of not following through in terms of the heat detection aids throughout the season 
or whether it's just that the bull constantly only works by night and people don't see them, uh, it's up for other people to judge. But the, I suppose just the, we, we probably run out of, we, we put a lot of effort into the first three weeks of, of AI, um, a lesser effort maybe into the second three weeks, and then it definitely wanes quite significantly from then on. So I suppose unless you're really committed to sticking with AI, the bull still has the role to play on the farm. Um, and long term, I suppose, uh, in terms of just from the health and safety element of it, just trying to keep the numbers of bulls down, I would say that people should try to AI for a, a longer period to, to just to reduce the, the sheer numbers of bulls to be carried on the farm. Um, and then it's it's just ultimately down to a personal choice at, at that stage Then whether people want to, like some people have had frights from bulls and they don't want them around anymore and they're gone 100% AI for that reason. Um, as I said, the scope is fantastic with them, but it is going to be a personal choice whether people want to do it or not. And I suppose, I think maybe give it five, 10 years as the cost of the likes of the automated heat detection system technology will reduce, I would expect in the next number of years, you might see less and less bulls on farms as a result of that because the heat detection will in theory become easier because again, there's that 24 uh, seven observation happening with the, with the detection systems. So I don't know if Doreen wants to make a comment on that. Maybe I'm sure she has some opinions in that idea in that regard. Yeah, I I I think you know what I mean? Stuart says there, um, people after six and nine weeks AI want to take a break, so they want the bull to work. So um the big thing is is um like the start of the season, the bull's work is front loaded into the first two or three weeks when he goes out. So avoiding the lull AI when he's out at that point, that's crucial. The second point is, is getting both young and mature bulls fertility tested before they go to work. However, monitor them throughout the season. And if any of them have a bout of lameness, get injured, run a high temperature, or a young bull loses weight and gets lethargic, definitely get them fertility tested again to make sure that, I mean, that there is not an issue. And if you take a simple thing like photosynthesization, that can knock out a bull for about three to four months. Then the beef panels we have for dairy AI and the bulls we have in it, we're very conservative with the calving. So I mean, so you can be really confident of security of the calving, short gestation, and you have carcass values there going from um, six to 13 kilos in Angus's, do you know what I mean? Up to 20 kilos in the, lim in the limousines and the blues, do you know what I mean? And uh, the Hertfords, do you know what I mean? Um, they're in between. And there in the beef of the dairy panel, it's clearly laid out what's suitable for heifers, what's suitable for second calvers, cows and mature cows. And if you use that, you should have no difficult calving because we are quite conservative, do you know what I mean, with those panels. Because the big thing what we have to do is to add value to the calf crop and to make sure that the guy that buys those calves, he can actually make some uh, money out of them. I suppose, Doreen, the one thing that you, I just, we probably neither neither of us have mentioned is that the, the gestation length of those AI bulls is um, is a significant factor in terms of the farmer's point of view, isn't it? That they um, that they're going to calve on time generally. I suppose with the exception of the limousines, to be fair, they probably do carry a bit. But your Belgian blues, your Hereford panel is is nearly all negative, I think, and all your Angus's are short gestation as well. So they actually will gain a bit of time in next year's calving season for farmers as well by continuing to use them rather than letting off a stock bull, which you won't have a, a real indicator for as to what their gestation length is going to be, really. Absolutely, Stuart. And that's one of the reasons for the lull as well. As if you take the Angus is there, we have some Angus is there, a minus four in gestation. 
on the PTA, that'll actually convert nearly into eight days, job mean on the ground. The panel of Hertford Star is absolutely superb because it's, it's the only place you'll find so many bulls, positive in carcass confirmation and weight and negative on gestation. Do you know what I mean? So the gestation is crucial. And I think that gives farmers a lot of confidence when you talk about the, you know, you, you're you conservative in terms of the calving difficulty and, you know, to ensure that that doesn't become an issue on dairy farms. And also then the prime, the second primary concern that you would see with farmers is the gestation length. And, you know, you're 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 answering that concern, too. I think across the board, we've had a, a quite a solid discussion this morning. Um, it, I think it gives um, farmers a lot of information and a lot of reminders as to making sure that the transition from the AI to the the stock bull is done um, successfully and efficiently and you're not experiencing that lull. And secondly, then what to look out for when the bull is in. I think points that the two of you have touched on in terms of monitoring the bull. So we're not just monitoring the cows for the heat detection. We're also monitoring the progress of the bull in terms of weight loss in the younger bulls and also lameness across the board. And, you know, where there is issues from this, there can be subfertility and that will invariably lead to um, empty cows. Um, thank you, Doreen and Stuart. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks. Emma-Louise. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Doreen Carden and Stuart Childs for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.